A reading from Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain, and spreads them like a tent to live in, who brings princes to naught, and makes the rulers of the earth as nothing. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, scarcely as their stem taken root in the earth, when he blows upon them and they wither, and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these. He who brings out their host and numbers them, calling them by name, because he is great in strength, mighty in power, and one is missing. Not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. He is understanding, his understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint and strengthens the powerless. Even youths will faint and be weary, and the young will fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. The word of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So this past week, five of us uh, from, from Christ Church joined a larger team to do a medical mission trip in Haiti. And uh, we, we encountered what seemed to be just kind of a biblical scene from the Gospels, um, where, where people would be crowding around, and Jesus would be there healing people, like the whole city would be coming out to hear and to be, be healed by Jesus. And uh, this was what it was like. The clinic that we went to is in a fairly remote village outside of Capetian, which is the northern city uh, in Haiti. And the, the ministry that we do, this Haiti mission, is this long-standing a ministry where about 20 or so doctors and nurses and helpers will go down five times a year. This has happened since uh, you know the late 80s to this one same place to minister to the physical needs of these impoverished Haitian people. And you know, again, every day it seemed like the whole city and all the surrounding population was gathered at the door of the clinic. We would see uh, over 500 people a day uh, coming through uh, this clinic. And I was stationed, my job, not being a medical guy, but I was stationed by the door trying to remember my Creole because Christy and I lived there uh, 23 years ago and doing intake and vital signs for the adults like taking blood pressure and temperature and weighing the people and, uh, and working on their charts to give to the doctors. And, you know, most of the people that I, I saw, these adults, both men and women, were about 100 pounds and sometimes uh, even less. We, we would encounter arms so thin that we'd have to use the pediatric uh, blood pressure gauge to get an accurate uh, blood pressure. And these, these people literally, in the words from our reading from Isaiah that Wynne just read, were the faint and the powerless in a very lit- literal, physical way. But of course, uh, that word is for everybody. And you don't have to be a, a patient in a Haitian medical clinic to experience faintness or powerlessness, 
especially, you know, in the world in which we live. I mean, we do experience a physical a difficulty from time to time, but we're, we have all the medical care that we need and great nourishment. And so our faintness and, and powerlessness usually comes from a different source. It's just stress that life can wear you out. And even I find when the exterior circumstances of my life all seem to just sort of be coming up roses, there are enough, um, there's enough anxiety, there's enough internal demons, there, the, the, there's enough uh, turmoil and neurosis inside of me, even when everything outside is okay, that will just lay me out and make me want to go to sleep at 9 o'clock at night. That, 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 that the feeling of faintness and powerlessness uh, often, at least in our culture, can emerge from interior sources and not just exterior sources. And this is what Freud diagnosed for the world 100 years ago. And if you've studied him in school, you know that um, by and large his theories are dismissed and uh, fallen out of favor. But I'm a big Freud fan. And there was a recent article that explored why he has fallen out of uh, intellectual favor. And uh, the author said this, his unforgivable sin was locating the source of human disorder within human beings themselves. Locating the source of human disorder within human beings themselves. The painful conflicts in which humans have been entangled throughout their history and prehistory do not come only from oppression and poverty inequality, lack of education, and my goodness, let's do all we can to stop those things. But they originate in the permanent flaws of the human animal. And this is just what the Bible says about our own falling shortness in our, our own moral capacity, our own psychological health. It's what's called original sin. Freud is rejected now for the same reason that he was rejected in Vienna, his heroic refusal to flatter humankind. And so this is just to say when you're tired, when you say, I'm just so tired, sometimes it's because you are physically tired. Maybe you've stayed up uh, you know, all night to, um, to rush or something like that or to do an exam. But often the fatigue uh, that we experience is a result of the stress that's inside of us based on some kind of demand or some kind of law and our own inability to cope with it. And so, holistically, our bodies just say enough is enough. Now, maybe, you know, God willing, you're not in that place right now, and I hope, I hope you're not, uh, that you, you don't feel faint or powerless, as Isaiah described. But he says no one's immune from this experience. He says, even youths shall faint and be weary. And young men fall down exhausted, which is just a word to say that if it hasn't already, life will just happen to you. Life will eventually tell you that you're not sort of all that. Uh, life will win. In Haiti, it's a very mountainous region, and they have this, uh, this kind of aphorism, this, this motto down there that they say, behind the mountains, there are mountains. And we asked the guide what that meant, and, and it just means that that you're not as big and strong as you think you are. I mean, you might think you're this big mountain, but behind you is a bigger and a stronger mountain. It's a kind of leveling or humbling saying, you know. And as you know, 
there are such things as earthquakes, and mountains can crumble into the sea. And so I want to say this, because we, we talk about the human condition a lot here in this way, and let me just make a caveat. I was talking to somebody who grew up hearing that in a, in a church that we're not worthy as human beings, a kind of a sniveling lot of guilt. This, this word about our inability isn't a word of judgment or condemnation. I see it quite differently. I see it as a word of grace and a word of understanding, a word that uh, we understand God accepts us in our frailty, that it's okay when you're not strong. I'll be your... F- no, it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's okay to cry. It's okay uh, to be faint and powerless, that this is uh, what we would buck against in a society which prizes uh, strength and independence. Uh, yet uh, the Bible and God understand us as people designed for dependence, and it's our weakness that allows for connection with God and with other people. So it's not a word of judgment or condemnation. It's a word of freedom and grace. So I want to make that clear. And it's also a word of grace because help's on the way. That's the sort of prerequisite for being in relationship with God. It's being in a place of need, being in a place of faintness or powerlessness. And so where does does this help come? From whence cometh our help, as the psalmist says? Well, Isaiah, in tonight's reading, gives us the answer. And it's not an answer that many of us wish to hear. And it's not an answer that is intuitive. In fact, it's highly and deeply counterintuitive in a society that prizes individual accomplishment and production. But it's the answer that, in fact, blossoms up through the pages of Scripture from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And Isaiah says it tonight. What do we do when we're faint and we're powerless and we're at an impasse? The answer is, wait. That's the answer. Not wait for the answer. Wait is the answer. Wait for the Lord. Even you shall faint and be weary, young men fall down exhausted, but those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. And so it's not waiting in a kind of waiting for Godot, uh, existential, nihilistic way. It's waiting for Godot who shows up. It's waiting for the Lord. And that makes all the difference because he makes all the difference. And what does it mean to wait for the Lord? It doesn't mean to sort of get your ducks in a row and make sure you plan and have everything prepared. It means doing nothing. It means be passive. And that's what's counterintuitive. It means to be passive because God is active. God is active. We are acted upon. And, and the, the reason for that is because, and you've experienced this, He knows best. Often when you're, you're in an issue that you wish to get out of, and you think that you know the best way forward and you act, you just end up making things worse. But God knows the best. God sees it all. He loves us deeply and knows how to act when and where is best for us. I mean, that's what the psalmist says. I mean, Isaiah says is that God's perspective is like from the top of the world. 
And in the beginning of the passage, he says, our perspective is like a grasshopper. Oh, grasshopper. We're just a little grasshopper. So God sees it all. We see through the lens of a grasshopper. Maybe you could jump up and think you see, you know, four feet or something. But God sees everything. We are the grasshopper. My ways are not your ways, says the Lord. And again, God is so faithful, so good. We faint. We are powerless. But the the scripture says he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And, And then what does he do as we wait? And again, we can't command him to wait Uh, to act according to our time or our solution. But again, in faith, we trust that ours is not best anyway. His is. But what does he do? Again, the scripture. He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, he increases strength. So we lift our eyes to him. Where you are, faint and powerless, in an impasse, Don't do anything. Wait. If you do anything, just lift your eyes to the one who will give you power. I'm going to give you, uh, tell you a story uh, about an example of this. The last day of our trip to Haiti, we went to visit uh, Father Jean Bruno, who was the Haitian Episcopal priest with whom Christy and I lived 23 years ago uh, in Capation. We... uh, Christy worked at the school and did correspondence for Père Bruno, and I did a woodworking project. And now looking back, I mean, I, I realized just what idiots we were and uh, what, how immature and uh, really self-righteous, obnoxious. Hi, we're here to save Haiti. Uh, and, you know, I, I realized how young and vulnerable we were. And yet, Père Bruno loved us. He cared for us. He took us in. He, we lived in his house. Christy and I had our own separate bedroom. Père Bruno and his wife and his five daughters were in the other bedroom. And we ate with them. We, we lived with them. He, he took care of us. And Père Bruno is just one of these special people. He's tall and handsome and charismatic and yet gentle. Always got this big white beard looking a little bit like a Haitian Santa Claus. And he's one of these people that's a natural leader, an entrepreneur, always starting a new project, uh, connecting people to make sure that the poor people of Haiti would be given uh, health and, and education and good things, treating people with such dignity and respect. And uh, just parenthetically, it was in his church that 23 years ago that uh, it was the rector of a church there that during a worship service, I felt a strong call to go into ordained ministry and sort of abandon uh, law school plans and, and then, then, then told Christy that this was the call and she said, you're crazy and whatever, and uh, here we are now. So it was a very special place for us. So I, when I went back there this past week, it was important for me to reconnect and thank him. And just say, thanks for taking care of us and see how he was doing and see what we could do to support him. Well, we found him and he was retired living in a town called Terrier Rouge in the northeast of Haiti on the border of the Dominican Republic. And we hired this driver to take us to see him. And it was a very emotional reunion. And as we talked to Pere Bruno, he told me his story of what had happened to him 
since that time. And in fact, it was a story of exactly what I'm preaching about tonight, of, of, of destruction, of waiting, and of God's resurrection strength. Again, he'd been the rector of this large church in Capetian, started all these projects, much loved by his congregation and, in fact, the city. But in 1998, a new bishop arrived on the scene, and sadly, church politics are church politics, whether you're in Haiti or in America or anywhere else. And I'm sure there are two sides to every story, but Pierre Bruno, this much-beloved figure, was told to get out of town. He was no longer welcome in the diocese. So all his effort and all his energy and his family there all came crashing to the ground. And he was distraught, obviously. Well, he waited. And then, in God's time, the bishop of the Dominican Republic invited him to lead this church which had lain fallow for five years and Père Bruno uh, decided to come and then built that congregation up and the congregation grew. But he still had this heart for the people of Haiti. And so he asked the bishop for time to be able to go back to Haiti. Four days a week, the bishop said, to start this new ministry called Bethlehem Ministries. In 2002, that's what he founded. And so when what we found there a few weeks ago, when we showed up uh, sort of off the road and through this kind of rubble, was this beautiful 700-student school and building on top of building. And then we saw a beautiful, gleaming medical clinic which employs 50, uh, I'm sorry, five Haitian doctors. The school employs 50 Haitian teachers and a thriving agricultural product. And Pierre Bruno there still is energetic and as happy as ever, now in his early 70s. And as we, we drove away, our Astor driver, who knew Pierre Bruno back when he was in his Capetian days, what he thought of this magnificent ministry, and the driver said, I think the people of Terrier Rouge are grateful that the bishop no longer wanted Père Bruno in Capetian. <laughs> and then he said this beautiful gospel articulation, which is in fact what we preach in and out. He said, with God, what is bad is so often good. With God. What is bad is so often good. Even youths will faint and be weary. And the young will fall down exhausted. You know, Jesus was 33, still a young man, when he fell down exhausted, carrying the cross up the hill. And in his death, he wasn't just biding his time to burst out of the grave in some sort of superhero way. He was dead. He was passive. He was completely faint and powerless. He was forced to wait for the Lord. And then God acted. God, great in strength and mighty in power, as the scripture says, acted. He raised Jesus from the dead on the third day, defeating death. And giving the world life. You see, for with God, what is bad 
is so often good. And the same is true for you in your life, in your faintness, in your powerlessness. For God will renew your strength and he will raise you up like wings with eagles. As we're seated, let us pray. Lord, thank you for your overarching view of our lives and for your total and steadfast love and commitment for our good. And give us, Lord, the, the will to wait and restore our strength in your time. For Jesus' sake. Amen.